Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Ali Vingiano is a writer, actress, and filmmaking comedian who has leveled up over the course of the pandemic. She received her first Writers Guild Award nomination in 2022 for her work as a writer and executive story editor on Apple TV Plus's The Morning Show. And she also stars in a largely improvised feature film, The End of Us, which premiered in 2021 at South by Southwest. After studying film at both Bates College in Maine as well as in Prague, Vingiano graduated from the Columbia Journalism School's publishing course and soon found herself writing for BuzzFeed. Eventually, she pivoted to video, making short films and viral videos for both BuzzFeed and Glamour magazine. She also previously worked as a field producer for Comedy Central's The Opposition with Jordan Klepper. She sat down with me to talk about how the arc of her life and career came together and how she managed to help act and make a pandemic-era rom-com about a couple who breaks up in March 2020 only to find themselves stuck with each other in quarantine. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! So, Allie, uh, last things first, congratulations. I don't know what to congratulate you on first. Should I congratulate you on your Writers Guild Association nomination? Ah, or on your you. starring in a uh, in a feature film about the pandemic, the end of us. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll take either first, whichever you prefer works for me. <laughs> but thank you so much. Yeah, we just got nominated for a WGA award, which was really cool for morning show. And that's coming right off the heels of the official season renewal for that show. Too. Yeah, yeah, they just announced season three, which is awesome. Now, in a situation like that, you know, being a writer, executive story editor, what's your current title? That's what, yeah, I was an executive story editor on season two. So when you're in a position like that, are you and the other writers already trying to plot season three? Or are you waiting for the official word before you do that? You're definitely shaping the story of season two as if this, as if it would continue, you know, we weren't writing to an ending by any means with season two. So naturally when you're at the end of the season, you're thinking like, Oh, maybe this could happen or that could happen season three, but you're not actively thinking about it in any way. And you're not approaching an episode as if, you know, this future exists. Right. Well, speaking of futures existing, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, well, I want to, I want to go back in time. So I want to go back to when you're a teenager uh, in Ghana helping to build a school. Oh, my God. <laughs> that happened. Which, which I don't know how you end up doing that to begin with. But when you're when you're sitting in or standing slash being active in Ghana, building a school as a teenager, this was 2005. And none of the things exist that are part of your life now, like Apple wasn't even making the iPhone yet, <laughs> let alone original TV shows for Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, BuzzFeed, which no. helped you in both your videos and ostensibly the movie that you're in is all based on your relationships with BuzzFeed, right? 
BuzzFeed wasn't a thing. So how do you, you, you couldn't even, you couldn't even storyboard this, right? No, not at all. I mean, it's so funny you bring that up. Like, I think about that pretty often where when I was a teenager, I didn't really understand that TV writing was a job. I had no connections into the industry. I had I wanted it very badly, but I had no idea to be a filmmaker, to be a writer. Well, that's Um, not Let me stop. That's not entirely true. As you revealed on Instagram recently, you were (laughs) working on a screenplay at age 13. For, for to adapt Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. And I want to see that. I want to see that project happen. That was my first screenplay I ever wrote. Yeah, I, I had read this book, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, and I was obsessed with it. And I was like, this needs to be a movie. I spent, I wrote 116 pages of the script, and then I found out it was already being turned into a Lindsay Lohan movie, and I cried. And I wrote a letter to the studio begging them to read my version, which they didn't. Um, and then I wrote another script when I was like 16 before I went to Ghana that was about this was my first original script and it was about um, basically a woman who goes to like try to save the rainforest and she's also trying to lose her virginity um, and <laughs> I reread it recently it's 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 bad uh, it's it's not good um, but I had the ambition and the desire <laughs> yeah uh, you weren't quite Greta Thunberg but no <laughs> Uh, But but yes, back to Ghana. So when you're a teenager in Ghana, what were you thinking? In terms of my career? Like in terms of... um, Well, you were just talking about like not understanding that that you could have made this your career back then. Right. And you're like the internet really helped me. I spent a summer in Ghana. I lived with a family there and I did like a community project. Um, I'm still in touch with the family. It was like actually an incredible experience of my life. Although I do have issues with a lot of the community service type of programs that exist. And um, I can get into that at at another time. But um, for me, it was it was a really moving experience. And I thought I would go into politics. I thought I would be, um, you know, do some sort of social justice work. I wanted to be an international human rights lawyer at one point. Writing was my passion. I wanted to be an actor since I was four. It just it seemed like a pipe dream. And then after college, I I had studied politics in college and I'd minored in film and theater because I just couldn't like get rid of this urge that I had that this is actually what I what my passion was and what I wanted to do. Um, and after I graduated, the internet was sort of like YouTube was blowing up broad city. The web series was gaining traction. Um, it was this sort of equalizing platform of, you can just make something, put it online and people can see it. And if you're good, it it can help. It can, people will watch it and it can really kickstart your career. And that's really what I started to do because it was the only, like, I didn't know how else to, I didn't know how to move to LA and get a job as a writer's assistant. I didn't know how to crack, like get into the industry. So I just took classes at UCB and started putting stuff online. How did you, how did you find UCB? Was that just from being in New York or what? I being in New York helped when I was a teenager. Um, I, my dad took me there and like, we went to some classes. Uh, we went to see some shows. Um, I, I'd seen Ask Cat. I was so intimidated of it. Like I'd never done improv. I was really intimidated. I didn't do improv in college. Um, and, but I started going to shows there and then I signed up for a class and I fell in love with it. Okay. And then what are you doing for a day job 
when you're pursuing this? Right. So I, my, like I, my first job was I was a legal assistant for a labor rights law firm and you had to get out at five exactly because labor you know, labor rights, they had to pay overtime if you worked a minute (laughs) over. So it was like, as soon as it was five, I was out the door. I was like on my way to a UCB class or, you know, going home to write something um, or or to film something. Then I did this program at Columbia Journalism School. And I was like, okay, I know I want to be a writer. I can be a journalist. And then that will, I can get a job and write stuff online and then get that will propel me into people knowing me as a writer. It's insane that this worked. This was like a completely ridiculous idea, but I was like, Noah Ephron did it. Uh, Nora Ephron did it. So like, great, someone did it. Um, and, right. from there, and she did it without the internet. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Um, I got a job at BuzzFeed and I was working as a journalist for BuzzFeed News. Okay. Was that when Ben Smith was there or before that? Ben Smith, yep. He okay. hired me. And he's, you know, he's in the news now for doing, he's launching the new, new news thing in 2022. Oh, no, I don't need, I didn't, I know he works for New York Times now. I didn't know he was launching something new. I'll have to. Yeah, he just announced that he's leaving the Times along with the CEO of Bloomberg News. And the two of them are going to start a new. Really? Journalistic initiative. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So if this uh, WGA, Emmys, Golden Globes, if. If all of this acting and writing doesn't work out. I'll call up Ben Smith. Call up Ben Smith again. I saw him at the morning show premiere, actually. And he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I write for the show. And he was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) At the time that you started at BuzzFeed, it wasn't so clear cut what path you were going to go. No, not at all. It was very much, um, I was just trying to do whatever I could to push my career forward and to write and to sort of have people like um, to be seen as a creator in some capacity. I uh, got my job at BuzzFeed and then several months later, I made a short film um, that I'd written and that sort of went viral. Like, um, pretty quickly, like overnight was like being posted about on like Jezebel and Gawker and Buzzfeed ended up writing about it. And they were actually at a place where they were very open with me sort of having this day job and making these videos, um, which I don't think would happen anymore. But for, for me, I wasn't really sure what my career would look like. I remember at some point I would, I would write down, I would sort of manifest what I wanted and I would write down what I imagined it to be. And I had this idea that if I worked at BuzzFeed for four years, I could transition to the daily show and I could be a writer on a late night show because those late night shows had hired journalists in the past. And if I could have some experience as a political or, you know, political writer or a news reporter, then I could, work for the daily show. So that was sort of the the way I envisioned it happening. And strangely enough, it's it sort of did happen. Right. Um, you, you got a job with the opposition, Jordan Klepper's spinoff show. Right. And in Jordan, I mean, Jordan happened to be, I know you, you, you weren't working for him by 2021, but he was still doing crazy field pieces. Like he was on the ground last January 6th. I know. I saw the that. Insurrection. Which is so insane. Yeah. 
how, so would, how would the morning show cover that? How would the morning show cover that? Yeah. I mean, or would it just, fo- or, or would it just mention it, but then focus on the interpersonal relationships? The reality of it is we would not cover it in, in, um, depth like that right like we would cover it on it's happening in the background and how does it impact these characters and um it would be very personal i mean morning show is a little bit like a um i feel like soap opera has negative connotations and i don't mean that but it 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 it's really like a it's very a personal drama that just happens to take place in the news and journalism world so we we would cover that um but i imagine it would play in the background and impact our characters in some right how, how is it, right how does how does reese witherspoon react exactly like is her father there like her you know conservative dad was one of the ones who was <laughs> right. charging the capital like then we would cover it but you have this interesting arc right because you're thinking journalism you end up at buzzfeed they they're cool with you making videos because of course they are because BuzzFeed was really big with videos as well. But in your head, you're thinking maybe I could parlay this into the daily show. And then you get to the opposition, which is like the daily show, but a little bit more bonkers. Mm -hmm. And now you're writing, now you're writing in, in (laughs) in story editing for a show that's about news. Right. It's a, (laughs) I know, I know. It's <laughs> which which version which version of this arc felt the most true to who you were, or have they all been you, just you as you've been growing up and maturing throughout your twenties? That's such a good question. Um, the morning show. When I arrived on the morning show that first week in the writers' room, I felt for the first time in my career like this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, I love writing narrative. I love shaping story. I love being with other people thinking about, you know, pitching. Um, It felt so good and authentic to myself. Um, I also really love the process of creating something like nothing makes me feel better than being on set. Nothing makes me feel like I know what life is all about than when I'm actually in the process of filmmaking, whether it's being on set or whether it's editing something afterwards, um, that process brings me a lot of joy. The path that I took was interesting because the journalism of it felt like a great fallback career. But at some point after I was doing it for a year or two, I was not only was I burned out, but I was like, if I have to do this for the rest of my life, I'm going to be miserable. And it just made my writing bad. It made me not care. You know, I was showing up to do my job, but I was actually caring about this, this film I needed to edit. And like, that's what I was thinking about. And at some point it became inappropriate to be a news reporter writing about serious issues, you know, the, the um, like Iran nuclear deal while I was making like a sketch video about, you know, when you run into your ex, <laughs> I had to pick a lane. Right. And at some point when I went to quit Buzzfeed, they, they hadn't really launched Buzzfeed video yet. And they were like, why don't you move to LA and work for Buzzfeed video? Um, and there were times making films there that did feel really authentic to who I am. It's just that, the BuzzFeed voice was not always in line with my own creative voice. And so morning show felt way better that like 
Well, I shouldn't say it felt better because when I did get to make things that did feel authentic to me, it was the best experience. And then being um, on the opposition was hard and being in that job was hard. Um, Yeah. You're making, right. Because you're making things as a field producer or a segment producer or what have you, but they're, but they're playing with the form of the news. So it's not, you're making something, but it's not real most of the time. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, you're trying to parody something, um, which in this case was sort of far right wing point of view. That's really hard to parody. That's, that takes a lot out of you. And Jordan is a genius. I mean, Jordan's like, you watch him. He's the best improviser in the world. He was my used to be one-on-one teacher. Um, I, yeah, he's incredible. Um, did that help or hurt when you were applying for a job there? <laughs> I I think neither because on day one he introduced himself to me and I was like you're my improv 101 teacher and he was like I thought you looked familiar and I was like that is so kind of you to say <laughs> <laughs> it's a good cover yeah he definitely didn't remember me um the person who hired me is Ian Berger who's the person who now produces all of Jordan's the, he was there on January 6th he's the one who produces all of Jordan's segments on the daily show now okay. where he goes and talks to people and you know mm-hmm. He's wonderful. Now, you know, you've, you know, you've put yourself in front of the camera for your shorts, but doing this movie, the end, the end of us, mm-hmm. I mean, is this your first leading role? I mean, you're really like, you're the star of this movie. No <laughs> offense to Ben Coleman, but you're the star <laughs> of, of this movie. Um, is this something that like, you've also been kind of waiting for or were you were you really so content like you said on your first day at the morning show that you're like if this is what I was doing and just stayed behind the scenes of the morning show for the rest of my life or the next show after that then I'd be good and I wouldn't need to star in a in a movie mm-hmm. so Season one of Morning Show, I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. All my dreams have come true. Like, I get to be on set with these people. Season two of Morning Show, I'd grown up a little bit, and I'd felt like I love writing for this show. I need to write for myself, and I need to do something for myself. And that is ultimately... When I was in my 20s, I had a lot of... like Early 20s, I had this feeling like when I went to BuzzFeed that I was like giving up this other thing I could have, which was just trying to make short films on my own and trying to get into, you know, South by or Sundance and try to go be a serious filmmaker and um, move off the internet. And I think I didn't do that. So after morning show, I was sort of like, this is what I need to do now. I need to try to write something for myself. And I really never thought I would act again. I sort of was like, I loved acting in those videos. It was fun. I know I'm good at it, but like, I guess this is where it ends for me. Getting to be in the end of us re-sparked this whole thing. It was so much fun. We like got to improvise a ton. I loved doing it. I like signed up for an acting class right away. I like went to like get a manager. Like I, I it definitely um, re-sparked something and now I love it and I want to act more. But um, it was something that I was um, sort of had like accepted that would not be as big of a part of my life as I anticipated it um, to be. So, and it's all due to the pandemic. 
Right. And then this pandemic happened and my friends approached me and said, we want to make a movie. Will you star in it? And I said, yes. And I think it showed me that I'd been lying to myself a little bit, that I really did miss this thing. And I really wanted this thing. And I was just sort of afraid to pursue it because I felt comfortable in my job and I felt comfortable where I was. And it can be easy to be like, well, this is how it's worked out. So, you know, oh, well, instead of being like, this is where I am now. And I actually still want this other thing. And it doesn't have to be embarrassing to want to act, which is always how I felt. I was so embarrassed to want to do it. But it's so fascinating because, you know, the pandemic or for America, the lockdown start in mid-March of 2020. And for you, the real life of pandemic experience is so unlike your character's experience. <laughs> You know, your character has this job and then the job is in peril because everybody's jobs are in peril. But for you, you were in between seasons one and two of the morning show. And then how soon after lockdown do Stephen and Henry approach you? So lockdown was March. They approached me either, I would say, end of April or early May. Um, with this kernel of an idea, it wasn't even a outline. Um, I said, I basically said, yeah, I'd be into it. Just bring me a, 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 an idea of what you want to shoot. They brought me an outline. I, you know, I gave them some thoughts and um, we were shooting by, I think either end of May or early June. So what was, so what was your March and April of 2020 like? Um, we had just gotten a dog. We adopted a senior dog. Who, you adopted before the rush. Yeah, we adopted day. So quarantine was on my first day of quarantine was a Thursday when they were like, stay home. Mm-hmm. We adopted this dog on Saturday thinking, great, we have two weeks. They were like, this dog's going to be euthanized. He's old. If we don't get him out of the shelter. Oh my I was like, I'll take him mm-hmm. for two weeks. No problem. We'll foster a dog. And then the quarantine never ended (laughs) and we fell in love with this dog. We adopted him and my days were like full of absolute, I started to learn how to bake. I would basically bake a cake every week, hang out with my dog. I got into animal crossing. I was watching tiger King. I was just, you know, all of the classic early pandemic stuff, but I was having an extremely hard time with be feeling motivated at all. You know, the days were blending together. I was stressed out. I wasn't writing, um, I feel like getting approached to do, I mean, Finley, our dog brought me so much joy. And when I think about the early pandemic, a lot of it was just oh, bonding Finley's with also him the name learning. of the dog in the movie. He's the dog in the movie. Oh, okay. That's the dog. Yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot that he's in the movie. Yes. He's in the movie. <laughs> he's such a sweetheart. Yeah. And, um, so getting approached by them was such, it was just this, like, it was the first time I had felt creative in so long. And you're, I was totally thrown into this like extremely intense creative process which felt really good and i know at least from my friends in in comedy hearing people talk about pandemic projects a lot of a lot of us were kind of cynical mm-hmm. oh, oh you're gonna do a pandemic movie but i was i was pleasantly so pleasantly surprised by the end of us how how did you how did you and Ben and, and then Stephen and Henry and Claudia, how did you all manage to keep it so light while also like hitting all of the relevant notes? Yeah, I mean, look, I feel similarly like 
I know that nobody wants a pandemic movie. I was seeing the tweets and, you know, whenever there was a pandemic thing announced, it was sort of like, oh, shit. Well, like I made this thing and like no one's (laughs) going to want this now. And that sucks. Um, But the reality is just like, yeah, it's opportunistic. Everyone's like, oh, like people are making these opportunistic pandemic things. And it's like people were really depressed. People need creativity to have an outlet. People wanted to get together and make something and like. For me, I just have to look at it as like it was two or three weeks of such joy in the middle of a really hard time. Um, And we thought I'm a very like I hadn't acted in a long time and like I wanted to. But I have this writer brain and we got to improvise so much. So it got it was this thing of like, I really want to make sure that we're telling a story about a relationship. And like, that's what this has to be about even if the pandemic is happening, like it has to be the story about this couple and you have to relate to the film because you relate to these characters and not because you've also lived through a pandemic. So I think we thought a lot about like um, how to portray the pandemic in a way that was not overpowering the story. And also it was hard to know because people were dying. Like we didn't want to make too much light of it. At the same time, we wanted to show and experience that like, was sort of what the majority of people um, experienced, which is just staying home and having a hard time. And um, But the process of the film was that like every morning we would wake up and sort of go over what we'd filmed the day before and where we need to go from here and think about like what it, the characters, the scenes, and we would just like try to film something until we laughed or until we connected with it. And um, it was important to me to make something that would sort of like, not like stand the test of time, but wouldn't only be relevant for one year, you know? Did you get to pick out your birthday cake? (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) It was delivered to me. Oh. And we only had one. Right, so you only have one take to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we actually thought of that at the day. It wasn't. We probably would have gotten two if we planned to do that. Um, we thought of that in the moment. Ah, well, you nailed it. So thank you. Um, and so I'm I'm gathering that you managed to film that all even before morning show ratcheted back up for season two, right? We were in a time of morning show where the showrunner sort of wanted to take a beat and figure out how she wanted to do season two with the pandemic and if she wanted to include it or not include it. So she was like, let me have a month or two and think and plan and then we'll start the room. So it was during that time when um, I went and I did have like two or three meetings that I was just like hopping on a Zoom and then going in the other room to shoot. But it was... um, before the writer's room for season two had really started. So you've already mentioned how making the end of us kind of re-sparked your passion for acting. Um, what, how else has, has this whole process changed what you want out of your career moving forward? What was really inspiring about the project was how Stephen and Henry just did it without, um, allowing the time to doubt themselves. I can get so caught up in the period of before you, when you have an idea and you do something with the idea, there's so much fear and doubt and just going for it and making it. And like, 
sure, people aren't, not everyone's going to want a pandemic film. Um, you know, even though, again, like I think ours is a relationship film that's during a pandemic. And also like, it's actually really fun to see the nostalgia of like, or like all the weird early pandemic <laughs> things. So I'm always surprised when I see it. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, now I forget what I was saying, actually. Oh, what's it's re-sparked. It's re-sparked yeah. um, that I did used to just go make stuff all the time. Like, you know, I would make four videos a month when I worked at BuzzFeed. Um, I'm trying, I'm in the process now of trying to make my first feature film as writer director. Cause I didn't write or direct the end of us and seeing the process um, of trying to get a film properly financed um, with a studio and a financier and the, the, the amount of time it takes and the amount of people that have to approve it. And um, although there is that can be the right path for certain films. It has re-sparked this idea of that. I can be in control of what I put out and that I can just go make something. So um, I do want to get back to that this year. So maybe dust off that uh, confessions of a teenage drama queen. And that's what it is. That's what I'm going to do. Cause they made that movie, but mine was better. So right. <laughs> I think I need a remake. I think so. I mean, you've already written it from the teenager's perspective. Which is why it would resonate so well with the audience. Right. So now you can just go back and give it a rewrite with all of the professional and technical know-how that you have now. Right. Exactly. Change some slug lines, (laughs) add a few structural uh, fixes, and then we're good. Exactly. I mean, is that that really... um, if you had to choose, or, or do you even think you need to have to choose between TV and film at this point? Because you said, like, in the beginning, your your early kind of marker slash inspirational point was Broad City and what, mm-hmm. and what Abby and Alana were able to do. Um, so now, you know, 15, 10, 15 years later, is that still the thing, or... Or since you're talking about writing and and directing your own feature, is that the thing? Or can you do both? I think both is um, achievable. I think especially because I've already worked in TV, getting new TV jobs um, will hopefully be something I can keep doing. Um, TV is a lot more stable and and faster than making a film. But my dream is to make films. Um, That is what I love doing. I love, you know, making short films was such a special thing to me. Um, I love writing features. I love ending a story. Uh, I love the filmmaking process. I want to direct. So I, my dream would be to be able to do both, to make a film, um, which I hopefully will do this year and continue to work in TV in between. Um, that's the dream. We'll see what happens. Well, I know Apple TV plus also, produces and, and distributes movies. So I look forward to them greenlighting your feature. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ali. It was a pleasure talking to you. It was so great. Thank you so much for having me. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showburst Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. 
If you enjoyed listening, please check out my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.